Hey mama, welcome back. We are on the avenue of motherhood. This next episode is a little different from what I've been doing. Motherhood encompasses so many things. We want to keep our kids safe. We want them to be healthy. This episode is about safety, but in a way that isn't common to talk about. I am going to be interviewing Patty Fitzgerald of Safely Ever After, which is a program that allows children to learn about how to be the boss of their body and how to teach parents about the predators that are out there. And she will tell you that 90% of the people that are going to impose harm on our kids are people we already know. So you can read more about her at safelyeverafter.com. But let's dive into the interview and then I will put more resources that she offers in the show notes. Welcome, Patty. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Nice to be here. I want to just give our mamas, our listeners, just some information, some background on you and how you ended up in this field of work. I uh, have a background in education, and I started out as a preschool teacher. And then my daughter, Marissa, was born, and I started thinking there's got to be a better way to keep her safe and teach her about personal safety. And I had some uh, family experience with tricky people in my own family, and no one ever taught me anything. So I just sort of combined my preschool background um, and my education background with my mom experience of my mom life and what I was hoping to accomplish for moms. And that's how Safety Ever After was born, and it's gone on now for about 18 years. And how old was she when you started this? She was three years old, and she is now 21. <laughs> wow, you did it. Most of the community that um, that you're speaking to could really use a lot of your insight. We've most likely got little ones, like probably six yeah. and under. So thank you so much for being here. I want to first say to our audience that I don't have personal experience with this topic. So if I stumble with the words, if I say a word or a way of saying it that might be a pang for people who have gone through this, my apologies. My intention is just to have you here to give tips and tools. And I know that this is a sensitive subject. And I know even in my community, some of the moms have reached out to say that they have experienced abuse in their own life. So that being said, I just want to make sure that people know that this conversation is so important to have. So Patty, what do you mean by tricky people? Well, I'm glad you asked that because uh, for so long, parents have been focusing on teaching their kids, don't talk to strangers and stranger danger. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions. So I've switched it around and I talk to kids about, and parents, about watching out for tricky people who try to trick you into doing something inappropriate or who try and trick you into blurring a boundary of some sort. The problem is that most tricky people are people we know. 90% of childhood sexual abuse or victimization comes from 
someone the family knows, what I always call Uncle Creepy, Cousin Yucky, Coach Sandusky, the people who have infiltrated our family system. And that's where the idea of tricky people was born out of. Because just telling my kid to watch out for a stranger isn't going to do much in terms of educating her about appropriate behaviors from people we know. Can you talk about the thumbs up and thumbs down feeling that you talked about when you came to our school, which was such a great presentation? Can you expand on that? Yeah, that was fun. Um, Yeah, I, I think that part of the problem is that parents don't know how to talk about this subject so they don't approach it at all. So one of the things I like to teach children, which really resonates with them, is that there are thumbs up and thumbs down safety rules, thumbs up and thumbs down behaviors, and thumbs up and thumbs down touches. Putting things into the concept of thumbs up is okay, thumbs down, not okay, or thumbs up is appropriate, thumbs down is inappropriate, It makes sense to a kid. It's fun to do thumbs up and thumbs down when you're teaching them, but it actually is effective because it's meaningful. It's talking to them at their level in their language. At what age would you start having this thumbs up, thumbs down conversation? I usually start when the children are around three years old. You can't do it all at once, obviously, but you've got to set the tone. You've got to start with the building blocks. So you can use your thumbs up and thumbs down for all kinds of things. Like we're crossing the street, we look both ways, that's a thumbs up. We hold mom's hand in a parking lot, that's a thumbs up. Just incorporating it in everyday kinds of scenarios helps kids get used to that concept. We can talk to our kids about thumbs up and thumbs down touches as early as three years old. That's the important one. Okay, I'm going to kind of throw a curveball because, you know, as far as the touching in the private area... And you're saying it's thumbs up for mom and dad. But what if there, you know, there was a mom that reached out to me and she told me it was her dad that abused her. So how do we navigate that conversation? Yeah, really good question. Because sadly, sometimes it is the parent who is being inappropriate. The first thing I talk about is being the boss of their bodies and the boss of their private parts. So it's, it's kind of a step-by-step conversation that I'd like to take parents through right now. You know what, Patty? Um, you know what I could do is I could highlight exactly when this part of the podcast is timed, and I could tell parents, hey, I want you to fast forward to tune into whatever minutes we're at so maybe their kids can listen to you. Do you think maybe for a few minutes, pretend that the kids are tuning in and they've met yeah. you? Okay, so let's yeah. let's have – okay, so kids – This is Miss Patty, and she's going to talk to you about being the boss of your body. Go for it. Okay. Hi, everybody. Did you guys know you're so important and special that you're a boss? You're the boss of your body and the boss of who can touch your body. And a boss, of course, is somebody in charge, and that's you. It just means you're the boss of who can touch you. And we have very special parts on our bodies which we call the private parts, and those should only be touched by mom or dad if they're helping you to stay clean, or maybe the doctor when the doctor's giving you a healthy checkup. But 
if anybody else wants to take a look at your private parts or touch your private parts, I call that a thumbs down touch. I don't think we need to share our private parts with anybody else. If anybody breaks our private parts rule, just put out your big stop sign hand and you say, stop touching my body. There you go. Thanks, Miss Patty. All right, mamas, you can come back to us here at the podcast. <laughs> I thought that was good as, as the cleaning part. I think that's really helpful. You had talked yeah, about... that's the thing yeah. that I think parents um, get stuck on. Yeah. You have to be specific. Yeah. It's okay if mom or dad is helping you clean your private parts, like mm-hmm. in the bathtub, and it's thumbs up okay if the doctor is checking you at your healthy checkup parent has to be with you mm-hmm. and anybody else thumbs down can you talk about the signs of the tricky people in your family what that might look like kind of the wordings that they might say or the actions that kind of to look out for we can't tell who's tricky just by looking at them so mm-hmm. my philosophy is if you want to figure out who's a tricky person it's not what they look like it's what they say or how they yeah. act meaning be very mindful as parents if there is someone who is so enamored with your child and they always want to be alone with your child do special favors or outings and they try to get rid of you there's such a thing called grooming and that's how you recognize tricky people in your own family for example if my mom says she wants to take my daughter to the movies and it's a special treat and she doesn't want me to come that typically makes sense but If my daughter's math tutor approaches me and says, oh, she's my favorite kid and we both like Star Wars. I want to take her to the movies Saturday and we don't want you to come. It's a special treat. That does not make sense. So my feeling is parents pay attention to who's paying attention to your child. What are they asking? What are they looking to do? Um, And there are certain red flags in a person's behavior. Someone who is more interested in your child than you. Someone who is too good to be true. Someone who is always looking to do special favors with your child and it excludes you. Someone who lavishes expensive gifts on your child that typically that would not be part of their relationship. For example, grandma can give me $200 outfit for my daughter but if her babysitter or my next door neighbor you know barely has a relationship with us is buying extravagant gifts I'm going to pay attention to that because that's a really common way that tricky people buy their way into a family's good graces and then later on flatter some more and then ask for more alone time and so that grooming is a gradual process So we look for behavioral signs in people. Have you seen a scenario where people have come to you and said, you know, there's somebody that makes me feel uncomfortable that my child hangs out with, but my spouse seems to be okay with them. How do you handle things like that when there's not an alignment with your child hanging out with a particular person? And and that does come up a lot. I get that question from parents a lot. Listen to your instinct. As a parent, if you're getting an uh-oh feeling about someone in the family, a relative, a cousin, whoever it may be, and there's something in their behavior that says to you, 
I'm just not comfortable with him being alone with my kid, then please listen to that because your instinct doesn't go off for no reason. It goes off because there's something that's not quite right. And sometimes it's hard to put your finger on what it is exactly, but you have to honor that feeling. If your spouse is not on the same page, it's okay for you to say to your spouse, I know you think I'm crazy. That's one of my favorite things to say. That's my script. I know you think I'm crazy, but there's certain things I'm just not comfortable with. And since it's a 50-50 bet, I think it's better to keep our kid on the safer side. I like that. It's not an easy conversation, but it's one that has to be had. And and you don't attack your spouse or your partner by saying you're wrong. You don't know what you're doing because that's just going to set up animosity. It's best to say, I know you think I'm crazy, but just feel <laughs> aren't quite right with Uncle Joe. <laughs> right. So next time we're at a birthday party, I'm going to keep a close eye on Uncle Joe so that He's not alone with her. I always like to ask you this question in front of other moms because I think it's an important one. I'm going to switch to the idea of sleepovers, and I'd love for you uh-huh. to share your philosophy about sleep unders. What do you think about kids and sleeping over at other people's houses, and how did you navigate that? Yeah, I did have to navigate that. I've been through the, the gamut, all kinds of stuff raising Marissa over the years. In my professional experience, I know that sleepovers can be a bit of slippery slope because there's less supervision. Sometimes there's older kids and kids are less likely to to say something because it's a more quiet environment. So if something's going wrong, uh, sometimes kids are kind of stuck. So I've got a couple of options. Option one is you can be a family that just doesn't do sleepovers. You can just say to anybody who asks, oh, we just have a policy. We don't do sleepovers because I'm not comfortable with them. So that's one thing the parents can do. Second option is to do a sleep under, which you mentioned a few minutes ago. A sleep under means that my kid comes to your house and they're in their PJs and they watch a movie and it's basically a nighttime play date, but I pick them up at eight or nine o'clock at night. The purpose is because most kids like the playtime of that nighttime play date and that idea of being at someone else's house for a sleepover, but the sleeping part is not what they like. <laughs> so you can you can eliminate that part and just say, we're going to do a sleep under. I'll be back at nine o'clock. So that's option two. And then option three is allowing sleepovers. If you decide that you want to allow sleepovers, maybe you had safe sleepovers when you were a kid. I think if we're going to allow sleepovers, then we have to keep it a very short list of approved households where our child can have a sleepover. And before somebody makes that list, I have to run through a checklist, do's and don'ts, and my own due diligence. For example, I don't like a a sleepover where there are kids older than three, more than three years older than my child, more than three years older. So for example, if my kid is six, I really don't want them doing a sleepover in a household where there are siblings that are 11, 12, 13 years old, because they may have their friends sleeping over too. And simply put, they're in a different developmental stage. And sometimes they're pushing boundaries. I just don't want my child in that position where they might be um, vulnerable some big kids suggestions so that's one thing I have to ask does my kid have to take a bath at the other household and the answer should always be no 
Never. I kid you not. And you, but you have to actually say that to the parent. Oh, wow. Sometimes okay. a parent just thinks they're doing you a favor. So I've got to make sure that's huh. taken care of ahead of time. Is there any substance abuse? If you're, if it's the party house, I might love you and love your child, but my child shouldn't sleep there. Is it a single parent who has a lot of friends over at the house all the time because they've got their kid this weekend? So there's a lot of dynamics I have to know about a family before I allow a sleepover. Did you go through this kind of list too for like playdates? Because I think that these are actually really good questions for playdates as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Playdate checklist and the sleepover checklist are pretty much the same thing. I have to have been in that household. I have to have watched the dynamics. There's nothing wrong with having an older sibling, but if that older sibling is so interested in playing with the little ones, Mm. what kind of behaviors do they exhibit? Because typically a 13-year-old doesn't want to hang out with a bunch of seven-year-olds. So if I see that there's just an inordinate amount of attention, I might say, well, playdates and sleepovers with that friend will have to be at our house. Everything's done by on a case-by-case basis. Have you noticed in your years of doing this an influx or a decrease in, in the rate of occurrences happening? I don't, I don't know why I'm thinking of that, but you've just done this for so long. <laughs> you've just done this so I, long. I love that you're asking me that because there's this, this misconception that the world is more dangerous today and that our kids are more at risk today, and that's actually not true. Kids hmm. are safer today than they were when I was growing up because this young generation of parents – includes you, you guys are more in tune with what's Mm. appropriate and not appropriate. You're more likely to speak up, whereas parents a long time ago didn't. And you're more likely to put boundaries in and not be too polite when something makes you feel uncomfortable. We're also educating parents and children differently in this day and age. Uh, It's actually a subject that we're talking about now with kids. So for a lot of different reasons, here's a good statistic for you. Crimes against children have actually decreased significantly over the past 10 years. And that is information from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and a think tank called the Crimes Against Children Research Center, which is based out of New Hampshire. And I think it's important for parents to hear that because... We watch so much news and we get all these terrible stories online. It makes us feel like it's worse now than it ever was. I think it's just because of the access to these stories and the exposure. And it makes you Mm -hmm. feel like just a few weeks ago, there was a woman who, um, in a different safety, like allegedly kidnapped this child out of McDonald's that was, you know, in a a city, just a couple cities over. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the mom was probably just turning around getting ketchup. And now it's freaking (laughs) <laughs> it would freak me out. Now I'm like crazy person and I don't want to be sure. crazy person, but I feel sure. like that's an important question I have for you is let's say you and your child are separated. I'd love for you to tell the community where the child should, who should the child approach first? Cause I've heard a couple different things, but I want to hear from you. Okay. So uh, let me just address that whole thing that you mentioned about um, the McDonald's incident. Yeah. Uh, that kind of, 
kind of stuff was happening way back when also. Yeah. But now we hear about it on the news. So parents right. think it's this new phenomenon. Yeah. But the fact is that when we take our children out anywhere, to the park, to a restaurant, to the beach, to Dodger Stadium, we have to remember we're not alone out there in the world. And the best way to keep your kids safe is to keep your eye on them. Um which I know is not always the easiest thing, but it's really important in large places where there's a lot of other people. The chances of your child being swooped away at McDonald's by a stranger, they're pretty low. But the most important thing is if I'm turning away for ketchup, I've got to keep an eye on my yeah. kid at the same time. Um, so so that's, that's one thing. Uh, in terms of what happens when a kid gets lost or separated, I like to teach children to stop right where they are. If they suddenly realize, where's mom? They should stop right where they are and yell out your name. Hmm. Because you're probably not far away. So instead of saying mom, they should yell, Annie, and practice it because it's Uh. fun for them. And then if they have to do it, it's not a foreign concept. Hmm. So I always used to practice in the car. Marissa, if you can't find me, what do you do? Patty! And the other thing that I taught Marissa was that if she couldn't find me, the other good idea is to look for another mom with children and ask them to help. Ask them to use their cell phone to call your mom because you're lost. The purpose being a mom with kids is the least risky stranger in an emergency. Right. Not just to, don't go just to a person that looks like a police officer, go to a mom with either a stroller or with kids, right? Right. Exactly. Um, and I know that's, that's a hard thing to wrap your head around, but I don't tell kids to go to find the security guard or a policeman because First of all, they're not always around. But secondly, kids can mistake any kind of a uniform for, oh, that's the security guard. That's the police. I don't want my child making the wrong decision going to the UPS man who happens to be at Toys R Us right now uh, and thinking that that's the the, authority. So, yeah. So what would be your pecking order? So there's no mom in sight because, you know, you want to train your kids like okay if there's no mommy then where do you go what would you say next okay so the pecking order that's really a smart I like the way you said that the pecking order was stop and yell my mom's name second is look for a mom with kids Mm -hmm. third is if we're in a store you can go to the cash register person oh nice the cash register person because you know for sure that they work there and they're going to have a microphone, most likely. They can make an announcement. Love that. But the bottom line, if my, if, if none of the other options are available, I want my kid to stay where they are and just keep yelling my name because I'm probably not far off, and I'll hear them and be able to come running back. But if they start looking around or, or walking around the store, then then both of you are, are what I call more lost. <laughs> So there's no point in that. So stop, yell, mom with kids, cash register person. And then the phone number, 
Do you have any hacks on when kids should start memorizing the phone number? I think I've, I've seen somewhere like put your phone number on the back of the, the headrest where your kid is staring all day and try to get them to memorize it. But I don't know if that is a real That's a good idea. Thing. I've never heard of that. But yeah, that's a good idea. I, I think that uh, it's a little dry. <laughs> I always like to teach kids with humor and playfulness because that sticks. So I used to make a song out of my cell phone number and Marissa and I would sing it together. And that's how she memorized the phone number because it was a little song to the tune of, um, I'm a little teapot. Oh, nice. Remember the song, I'm a little teapot. Yeah. So that's my suggestion is make it fun and start teaching your kids their cell phone, your cell phone number at three and four years old doesn't mean they're going to get it right away, but you can start singing the song and um, after a while they will know it. I think kids should know their at least one parent's cell phone number by the time they enter kindergarten. Got it. That's a good one. So that's um, a good benchmark. And if you're going to big places like Disneyland or something like that and, and you're not quite sure your kid knows the phone number yet there are these very cute little um safety tattoos that you can order online and and they make them for kids who have allergies and your phone numbers so you can always order something that says you know i'm allergic to peanuts and this is my mom's cell phone number in case i'm lost that is great i didn't know um i didn't know about that i think that's great what are your thoughts of like the leashes on kids at like amusement parks just as a parent I don't mind them at all, but I don't call it the leash because that freaks everybody out. I know <laughs> of course. a lot of parents are like, my kid's not a dog. I'm not going right. to put him on a leash. Right. I like to call it a tether. It's the, the same tether. thing. Right. But basically, if I'm in a big place like Disneyland um, or you know, some place like that where there's going to be a lot of exciting things for a kid to run off and see um, or just get distracted you know, both of us can get distracted. I don't think there's anything wrong with one of those cute little tethers. That's a backpack. It's like a cute little backpack, right? Um, you know, a monkey or a lion and your kid wears it and you know, it's, it's long enough. It gives the child a little more freedom to walk around because they're not holding your hand. Yeah. And, and I think if the child is like a, a sprinter or a, a very spontaneous runner, I say yeah. better safe than sorry. You know, because yeah, it really depends on your child. Um, exactly. Sure. It depends on your child. I, I don't think they're a bad idea at all. And nowadays, they're much cuter than when my daughter was first born. I saw them, and they were, literally did look like leashes <laughs> right. with little harnesses on them. And I was like, that looks kind of freaky. But now they're cute, and I think it's a good idea. There's even these um, these tracker. I just saw a, a an ad for these trackers that don't even need Wi-Fi. You can just clip to your kid's belt and it'll yeah. always like locate your child. Have you ever seen any true life incident reports regarding Disneyland? I feel like Disneyland is always thrown into like the place where you can lose your child the easiest. Have you ever seen any harm from Disneyland's fine. I love Disneyland. <laughs> I have not okay. seen any horror stories about Disneyland. It's just an easy, right. um, it's an easy to target. use in conversation because everybody can relate to what it looks like right but nope disneyland's pretty awesome and there's lots of moms with kids so if you're gonna get lost that's not a bad place to get lost and one of the things that my 
preschool friend told me is that anytime they do go somewhere crowded to like a fair or a festival, I love it. She reminds her kids, she like gets down on their level and she says, no matter what, we've come together, we're going to leave together. There will be no situation that I will ever leave you to go home with anybody else. And I like, I like that a lot too. And then do you like safe words? Like a safe word between, let's just say there was an accident and, you know, I couldn't pick up my son, but my sister knows the safe word to go pick him up. Like, do you like that? Or do you think that's confusing or it doesn't really work? Well, I do like that. I, I like the, the family code word or the family yeah. safe word yeah, a lot, word, but yeah. I think it needs to be used with kids who are a little bit older, who are, who are first of all, going to remember to ask for it mm. or remember even what it is. And that's usually around second or third grade, to be honest. So, for, uh, you know, I had a safe word with Marissa years ago, and uh, I said, you know, if anybody comes to pick you up, they're going to say the word Benihana, or you ask them for the safe word. Mm. Now, Mom, let's say you came to pick Marissa up, and yeah. she wasn't expecting you. The first thing out of her mouth should be, what's the code word? And when you say Benihana, mm-hmm. she knows that I sent you. Got um, it. But I think that younger kids often don't remember the password or they just don't get how it works. And I don't want a, a, a five-year-old to go, is the code word Benihana? Because <laughs> right. a kid will mistakenly do that. And I don't want the wrong person to go, yeah, yeah, that's it. Come on. So where have you seen the most incidents? Is it, so you're saying likely a family member or are you seeing anything in the schools or in the extracurricular, like the coaches? Like what, what have you seen? In my experience, most of the time I have seen family members. I mentioned earlier 90% of tricky people are people we know. About 35 to 40% of those tricky people are within the family, family members or extended family. I have seen instances and worked in cases where it was a trusted coach or a trusted teacher. But there were always red flag warning signs in the person's behavior. So when people say to me, can't believe it, I had no idea. And then we look back at that person's behavior. You can see the grooming tricks leading up to the victimization. But parents didn't know what to look for ahead of time or chose to ignore them just to ignore those warning signs. You know, gosh, the coach was, bought us $50 sneakers and he thought my kid was the best one on the team. So he always volunteered to take my child to a game out of town because, you know, my kid's the best one. Um, those are the ways that, that it sort of happens. And parents, if you're not aware of what those red flags are, then you, then you allow certain things. Uh, but most of the time, it's been with family members, to be honest. Oh, um, I know. Yeah, I uh, I have a anonymous question. She didn't. She doesn't want me to reveal her name, but she sent it to me last night regarding similar uh, within a family member. So she says, "Can you ask Patty? I have three nieces, and their father is a convicted sex offender. They have to spend the weekend at his house every other weekend, and it's supervised by his parents." He harmed the youngest when he was younger and did something to her, but the court didn't believe it. How do we teach them that even though he's supposed to be a trusted adult, that touching is not okay and privacy needs to be crucial? They are four, seven, and nine. Any advice? That's a nightmare. So, yeah. 
Uh, sorry, I don't mean to be an alarmist, but that's a nightmare. If there is someone who is a convicted sex offender, and you said he was already convicted of something, correct? right? Right. Yeah. If there's a, first of all, it's a little odd that a convicted sex offender um, has some kind of custody agreement. And if it's supervised visits, mm -hmm. there's usually supervision by an impartial supervisor, court appointed monitor. Right, versus uh, his that's parents. What I used to that I was trained in to be a child visitation monitor. So the idea of his parents, that just doesn't sound right. And uh, my first suggestion is that mom might want to go back to court and and change that, that custody order if that's really it. I'm not sure that's really it, to be honest. But if it is, that needs to be changed. That's more important. That's the, the primary uh, issue or the, the priority issue right here is yeah. that, that dad should not be allowed because I know he's their father, but there's no way a young child is going to understand that when her dad is giving her a bath, because, right. you know, if we're teaching our kids that cleaning is okay yeah, uh, and the parent could see the private parts, then there's no way for a child to understand then and make that differential that or make that judgment call that, well, dad's giving me a bath and, and I'm nine. He shouldn't be, but uh, mm. I guess it's okay because he's my dad and he's cleaning me. It's setting the kids up for a big disaster. Yeah. I think it is important that either the mom or another trusted adult is talking to the kids in plain English about thumbs up and thumbs down touches from even from parents. Like if those were my nieces, I would sit them down with their mom probably and say, there are yeah, yeah touches and no, no touches. And at this point, even dad should not be playing with your private parts. And mm -hmm. it's okay for you to wash them yourself. Mm -hmm. But it, that's going to be really hard for a child to be able to defend their boundaries with that dad. So mm -hmm. we really want to keep the kids safe. That dad shouldn't be having that much basically what I call unsupervised access to those kids. Convicted sex offender can't do certain things or can't, you know, have certain access. Yeah. I would think that a supervised visitation is court ordered, but they're using the grandparents and that's not okay. Right. Just, just, well, I'll definitely share her to research a little bit more and um, perhaps she needs, to, well, she, it's not like for her to come to, to us with, or to you with this question, it sounds like she's at a loss. So um, I'll follow up and see. Actually, she can, I always tell parents, if you've got something that's really upsetting or you're really confused about, parents can email me. And we'll set up a, con a, a consultation phone call and just yeah. figure out next steps. Yeah. Because sometimes you just need advice from yeah. someone to tell you what to do. Thank you. Uh, I have a, another question from a mom. And she says that I have a seven-year-old daughter in Taekwondo. Do you think self-defense um, should start at my other child's age that um, he's a toddler? So self-defense, what age would you start? Do you think that's, that pairs the child or, or not in this type of situation? 
Yes, I always think self-defense, taekwondo or karate or one of those. I think it's great because it teaches a child a lot of self-esteem. It's very empowering. It gives them a really strong sense of self. Do I think they're going to be able to kick butt if the perpetrator is, you know, a 25-year-old adult? No. But it does teach kids to speak up for themselves. And sometimes that's the worst nightmare to a predator is a child who says, stop it. That's not okay. Don't touch me. Or even knows how to put up their arm just to sort of put up a physical boundary to keep someone away. So I do think that, you know, it's not the perfect solution, Mm -hmm. but it's a great idea to help teach boundaries and self-empowerment. Toddlers a little young, but you know, if there are toddler classes for Taekwondo, they're fine, they're fun, and the kids grow into an understanding of, um, of self-defense and, and self-discipline and all of that. So taekwondo, she started when she was, I think she was four or five years old and continued until she was around 10. And, you know, it starts out very fun, but uh, little by little, she started to understand that Part of Taekwondo was teaching her how to be her own person in the world. Mm. And and that was a good thing. You've already gone through the tween age in the digital. (laughs) Yes, Um, I have. So what are some things to look out for once the child gets a cell phone and then has access to the internet as far as predators are concerned? Do you read all their text messages? You definitely screen. You definitely check texts. You have the right, just like you would monitor their friendships in the real world. You want to know who they're hanging out with and all of that. You have the right to do that on their cell phones as well. And it's not, you don't do it in a sneaky way. You let the child know there are tricky people out there in the world. So, uh, and they can even be people we know. So I'm going to monitor once in a while. And then you do sort of a little surprise check here and there. Just check their... If you see the history shows it's always wiped clean, you know, your kid's doing something they don't want you to know about. But I think it's it's very important to check. I think that kids do not have to have a cell phone that has all the bells and whistles and can get internet access right away. I think you can get a phone where they can just maybe text and have phone numbers in there. Mm -hmm. Um, If they do have a cell phone that has online access, then it's a great idea to put in some blocks or monitors um, or filters on that iPad or that cell phone that will block certain words. I'm um, all about bringing back the flip phone when my kids are old enough. Like they, I there's know. No I don't even know if you can get a flip phone anymore, <laughs> but yeah, that my, was pretty good. My niece has this watch. I don't know who makes it. I'll have to ask my sister, but it can only dial like her and my uh, brother-in-law's phone number. That's it. Like there's nothing else. I love those. I love those. I've seen them on a lot of kids. And um, I think that's good, especially if your kid does a lot of stuff after school. Like maybe your kid goes from, from school to an after school program or they're going to, you know, Taekwondo and ballet or whatever on Saturday. You know, it's a, it is a good way for you to stay connected. And there's usually a little, like I guess like a tracker so you know you can check on your phone and see where your kid is Mm -hmm. 
you. you know, it's on an, on an iPhone, it's called Find Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's all kinds of, of uh, different apps that let you track. And some of them are built into those little watches. And you can actually go, oh, yeah, there's, I'm looking right now. And yep, there's my kid. She made it to ballet or she's in, you know, Taekwondo right now. Yeah. I think the digital, you know, I, and I know it's what we're, again, we talked about like what we're exposed to, but things have always been happening. But you see these things where they've set up a whole, um, not prank, but they're making a point that it only took this many times of contacting your tween to yeah. get your tween to meet a stranger at the park. And then, yeah. you know, well, how have you seen that play out as far as the internet luring kids to other places to meet up with a stranger? Or is that not yeah. really your, your, uh, no, it is, it is because ultimately it all boils down to the same thing, victimization of a child, which falls under my, okay. my jurisdiction as an educator. I have seen it a few times, to be wow. honest. Okay. I have seen particularly young tween and teenage girls who are flattered by a new person's attention say a kid on a kid app or kid website like it used to be um musically or Mm -hmm. some of the other kid friendly Mm -hmm. sites girls especially were very flattered when somebody said you're pretty you're smart you're so much older and and they pretended to be teenage boys so they would the the way it went down was you know the perpetrator sends them a picture of a 13-year-old boy, and that's who the girl thinks she's talking to. And when he says, oh, my parents are going to take me to um, the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica, let's meet the child who's already very flattered by that goes, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. It's out in the open. It's public. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a disaster. So I always try and teach children in my cyber lessons that tricky people exist online and sometimes it's even easier to trick you online because somebody can send you a fake picture and you don't even realize it. Wow. So let's talk Uh, about all your resources that you have available. I might have one or two more questions, but uh, what resources do you have available for parents? Okay. So if you want good resource information and good tips for internet safety or media safety, I love Common Sense Media. Mm-hmm. Common Sense Media. Dot org, just, I think, right? Yeah, dot org. Mm-hmm. It, it, it reviews movies. It keeps you up to date on all the latest kid-friendly apps. It gives you safety tips. gives you ideas for filters and blocks. So, um, yeah, I like that one. As a parent, as an adult, if you're trying to learn more about child safety and how predators think or operate, uh, there's a lot of good information on my website, safelyeverafter.com. There's also another website I like that uh, is based on the East Coast, and it's called darknesstolight.com. I like that one very much. There's a lot of good parent um, strategies and tips for keeping your kids safe. Um, I have a very, very favorite uh, author named Gavin DeBecker, and a lot of people are familiar with his work. He is internationally known as um, securities expert. 
and he provides security for a lot of high profile politicians and, and celebrities. But he wrote two books that I think are great. One is called The, the Gift of Fear. The other one is called Protecting the Gift. And it's all about listening to your instincts and recognizing when somebody's trying to trick you. And so we have very similar philosophies um, in terms of listening to your, your intuition and recognizing when somebody's not quite what they say they're going to be. And parents are always shocked to, to when they realize it. It's, it's almost like... Um, it's almost like you can breathe easier because when you know what those red sign, red flags and tricky signs are, when you know what to look for, they're pretty obvious. They're, it's not like it's so um, covert that you can't really figure it out. The writing's pretty much on the wall, but you got to know how, how the con game works. That's all. Did you happen to catch that whole Michael Jackson thing? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's grooming. Yeah. That's grooming at it. Yeah, top, I mean, right? he was he was textbook in how he groomed parents. Mm -hmm. The same with Coach Sandusky several years ago out at Penn State, that, mm -hmm. that famous football coach. Um, but Michael Jackson, people didn't want to believe it, and and all the signs were there from the get go. Um, he had no boundaries when it came to his relationship with young children. He was looking for sleepovers. He didn't want parents to uh, come along. And he was using that sort of power and that celebrity persona of, you know, I can do a lot for your kid. I can make your kid famous. Yeah. I have a lot of money. Look at me. I'm such <sighs> a gentle person. So disturbing, that whole it was very disturbing and yet not surprising at yeah. all. Yeah. What no. was disturbing is that parents were so quick to look the other way. Right. Just because of who he was. Right. Because of who he was and what they thought they were going to gain from his attention. Yep. And that happens a lot. That happens with what we call the, it's called the pillar of society grooming trick when they use that, that sort of hmm. who they are to um to gain your trust hmm the um the last thing that I remember you had said was that you know tricky people can also or like when your child goes to a park that you know do adults really need help finding their pet no they're trying to trick you because adults don't need help from a small child right I love that when when I heard yeah. you say that I think it's very important that we um teach our kids some yeah, yeah, and no, no rules. If people go to my website, they'll see the super 10 safety rules for kids and yeah. grownups. And one of those safety rules to teach your kids is safe grownups don't ask kids for help. If there's a grownup who needs help finding a lost pet, or if they need directions and they want you to come close to their car, safe adults ask other adults yeah. not kids and it's okay to say nope to an adult if they're asking you for help and what was the script that you um teach the kids as far as stop and um walk away yeah um i tell kids if someone's asking you for help if someone approaches you and says can you help me find my puppy or even the ice cream man says hey you want to come in the truck the answer is always the same put your stop sign hand out in front of you and you say stop 
walk away, go tell a grown-up. So you put your stop sign hand out there. The next thing I do is I teach kids the little walking sign with my walking fingers, exactly. And then the talking sign, which is putting your hand up and mimicking a talking talking hand. Stop, walk, talk, or stop, go, tell. Well, I see your presentation, and I think it's fantastic. Um, Patty, thank you so much. I'm definitely going to put all your resources and references on the um, on the show notes. It's so thank funny. You. My team will do it. I'm the team of one. I'm clearly sitting in my daughter's tent. You're an, you're an amazing uh, team of one. Uh, team um, of parents one. can always go to my website for mm-hmm. information and tip sheets. They can also email me. Patty, P-A-T-T-I-E at safelyever.com. I have tons of parent tip sheets and, and guidelines that I'm always emailing to parents for free, of course. Um, but I also wrote two children's books, which are nice. available on Amazon. They're called The Super Duper Safety School and No Trespassing, This Is My Body. Child-friendly books that you can read with your kids that won't scare them, but get the message across. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. I think people don't even know where to start talking about it, so then they don't, and then right. there's consequences, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Just pick up a book. It makes it easy, and then you don't have to think of what to say or how to introduce the topic yourself as a parent. You just rely on the book. To review, mm-hmm. the thumbs up, thumbs down, um, yep. what feels good, and listening to your body, also having right. the conversations of, who's allowed and in under what context like if you're being cleaned right, right? talking like about clean the, and healthy those are clean the buzzwords and clean oh, and like healthy that. checklist for playdates and sleepovers how you tell them to say their name and stop where they are yep i hadn't heard that before that was really good these are things that are just very natural for parents to talk about because it's it's just so necessary yeah it really is and and the thing is we don't have to scare our kids we teach our kids how to cross the street we say it simply and look both ways before we cross the street we haven't scared the heck out of them about cars and traffic but we've taught them the right way to do something it's the same thing with safety you use a, a a nurturing empowering fun approach to it and your kids will learn and it will stick gosh channeling all this in the decades you've been doing this to us especially those of us in southern cal and la that get to talk to you and see you in real life and you're such a delight it doesn't you know people don't get to see how animated you are on audio i'm sorry (laughs) but you swear you look like lady gaga and i have a blast when i'm with you oh i love that so I look like Lady Gaga's mother. I no, think. no, it was really oh. fun having dinner with you and just you know thank catching you. up. But <laughs> thank you, Patty. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I, I'm going to send pleasure. Patient, Thanks patient. to Avenue Mama. <laughs> Parents, your way. Thanks so much. Care. Bye. Hey, Mama. Thank you so much for listening. For additional resources, make sure you are following us on the gram at Avenue Mama and also check out the Avenue Mama toolkit that has up-to-date resources for you. AvenueMama.com forward slash toolkit and I'll have up-to-date resources for you. Lastly, if you could take 20 to 30 seconds, take a screenshot, tag Avenue Mama. We need this podcast to reach more and more of your mom tribe. We are on a mission, aren't we, girl, to make a statement that moms don't actually have to survive motherhood, but we can thrive. So let's get on iTunes radar, and we can do this. Thanks so much. See you here next week.